Welcome to Empower Humans. Welcome once again to the Empower Humans podcast. This is episode 52, my friends. And this episode is our one and only interview with the amazing Lisa Bilyeu. I've been looking forward to this, and I hope you have too. If you don't know who she is yet, look her up on social media at Lisa Bilyeu. That's B as in boy, I-L-Y-E-U or at Women of Impact, both on Instagram. They have the Women of Impact uh, YouTube channel, as well as the Women of Impact podcast. So look for all those things. Enjoy this interview. And I want to tell you, as always, you are priceless. You're worth more than all the riches in the world. The riches are in you, my friends, not in all the stuff around us, not in all the things that deceive and confuse us in this world. Make no mistake, the riches are in you. You are priceless and you're never alone. Don't forget that. Reach out if you need help to us or your neighbors or whoever might be. So many people are around who are available to assist and help if you need anything whatsoever, uh, whatever that might be. So just remember, you are priceless and you're never alone. Uh, I didn't do a podcast here for another week or so. I was traveling. I uh, got to go see some of my family in Minnesota. I have this whole branch of family there who I love dearly, but I haven't seen literally, and it's embarrassing to say this, but it's been over a quarter century since I've actually been out there when I was a kid. And I just got to go out there, got to see my grandma and grandpa. They're both uh, in the range of about 90 years old. My grandma is 89, so she's still that earlier decade. And my grandpa's about 92 at the moment. They've been married about 72 years. As you can, If you do the math, they got married very young. And uh, love the heck out of these people. Me and my grandma were balling at the end. And I don't mean playing basketball. We were both crying <laughs> profusely when I left. I can't say enough about family and doing our best to maintain these relationships, keep them intact. And that's, again, that's part of the reason that we're a little behind on a couple podcast episodes here. But this is worth the wait. So we have a buildup now to this one and you can devour it two or three times because there's so much meat. Lisa Bilyeu gets into so much powerful information here about her journey as well as ambition and our mindset and relationships, just tons and tons of stuff. So uh, before we get into the interview also, I just want to challenge you as always, study, keep studying if you have been, start studying if you haven't been, just keep learning, growing, progressing, just keep doing what you can, audiobooks, videos, go to the Women of Impact or Impact Theory with her husband, Tom Bilyeu. They built this Quest Nutrition Company. We're going to talk about all that in the interview. And the second challenge, as always, is make great moments with your family, with your coworkers, with the people around you, with your animals, whoever it might be, make great moments. Surprise people, love people as a verb, actions, make great moments. That's where great moments come from, is our actions. So make those great moments. I make mistakes all the time. I'm trying to do my best, trying to make things the best they can be in our world and with relationships and so on. But do everything you can to make great moments. And last challenge, as always, let's keep doing this podcast together. Our podcast is brought to you by Audible. Go to audibletrial.com slash empowerhumans. Get a free audiobook. They offer that to our listeners. Uh, I've been talking to you about this book about Thomas Edison I've been listening to. I've listened to other things about uh, there's a there's an audiobook called Feeding a Starved Marriage and other things like that. Relationships, inventors, uh, there's so many various things out there you can learn about. Go to audibletrial.com slash empowerhumans. Get your audiobook. Start the process if you haven't yet. Besides that, we love you, our audience. Without further ado, here is our interview with the one and only Lisa Bilyeu. I am so excited to be here with the one and only Lisa Bilyeu, who I've been looking forward to doing this for a long, long time, Lisa, and... Uh, here we are. Today's the day, and we're on Skype, uh, so we're going to get going here. Now, you're, are you in Los Angeles, by the way? 
I am, yeah, and just want to say thank you so much for having me. Yeah, yeah, my pleasure. This is a, a great privilege for us to have you, of all people, here with us. And uh, wow. I, I just love talking to people about helping people and lifting each other and lifting ourselves. We all go through things. You're doing a great deal of things with this Women of Impact and uh, that whole thing tied into a lot of the stuff that your husband does this uh, impact theory, right? What, what is the impact theory, by the way? I mean, he has a podcast and kind of a video series with that, doesn't he? Yeah, so we, um, after having built Quest Nutrition, we really felt like um, it was um, massively impactful on people for the body. And if your mind was right and you're able to get up and eat healthy and go to the gym, it was fantastic. But we very quickly realized that what about the people that suffer from depression and anxiety that can't get out of bed every day? And mm -hmm. we realized that real true health actually meant taking care of both the body and the mind. And um, we were very fortunate with the success of quest nutrition but we just looked at each other and said like what's like no bs if we really really do want to help people then we have to address the mind and right now we are not doing that so we actually had started a um, interview show within the company of quest nutrition mm -hmm. where my husband was interviewing and i was producing um, and he was interviewing just incredibly um, successful people but people who had been through hard times people who had struggled who had hit rock bottom mm -hmm. and as we were doing that we realized wow we we really were drawn to that my background is filmmaking my husband's background is filmmaking and so we said like we can either talk the talk or walk the walk and if we really want to help people on a 360 then um, it means putting our money where our mouth is so we respun the show and and renamed it Impact Theory because at the time it was um, inside Quest Nutrition and the yeah, business yeah. partners, we just had different beliefs on what we were really trying to do. So we respun the show and um, initially we had just intended it for um, us to be shooting in our house for about, you know, probably a couple of months until we could find a studio. Yeah. But that was two and a half years later, uh, two and a half years ago, and we still have our set in our house and we shoot from our house. Wow. Um, and that's been really life-changing in seeing um, people coming in, like these incredible human beings that have come in, taking their time to come and um, shoot with us and discuss their hard times has been transformational. And I've taken the role as being president of the company. My husband is CEO, um, and currently it is um, that the main, um, let's say, our bread and butter is the mm -hmm. show, mm -hmm. but we have bigger plans of building it into a studio where we're doing um, fiction and narrative content, which we've actually already started, and we've um, got a comic book out with Steve Aoki about empowerment. Oh, wow. Um, so, so, yeah, it's, it's kind of, it, I know that was a really long oh. answer for one question, no, um, but um yeah, our lives are very much dedicated to impacting people, and that's why we really called the company Impact Theory, because no matter what we do, we're always exploring. And I think as human beings, that is what we do, right? Once upon a time, we thought the earth was flat, and in exploration, we realized it's yeah. not. Yeah. So um, even with impact, it's like we're all ever-evolving, and so we thought that the name was very fitting. Yeah, that's great. And for, thank you for that explanation. Exciting to see where this is all headed because you guys are already doing some great big things and you got much, okay. much bigger plans too. That sounds great. And by the way, I love the way you say studio. <laughs> studio. <laughs> uh, you got, I love, and by the way, on that note, let's talk a little bit about your background uh, because you're obviously from across the pond, as they say, in some parts of the world. Uh, yeah. Did you grow up in the UK? 
I did. So um, I came from a very traditional Greek um, family background, mm-hmm. born in the UK, um, and then came over to America when I was 21 um, for a very short period of time. I came just to study film for um, a two-month intense course, mm-hmm. and I ended up meeting my husband. So I've been here for a long time. And so how did you, yeah, how did you meet your husband then? I mean, he was in the film. He had that background as well, sounds like. Yeah, so he, um, so I, I went to film school. My dream was to be the first female to ever win an Academy Award yeah. um, for directing. Um, big had, dreams. Had big beat to it. Yeah, I'm she sorry? did. You know, big dreams. And I, <laughs> I appreciate and, that and you do that. Go ahead. Yeah, at the time I was 16 and, you know, um, everyone was like, oh, your heads are in the clouds. But <laughs> at the time I was like, well, I'm not hurting anyone, so I really want to study film. So I studied it. And by the time I graduated, I didn't feel like I really got enough um, actual hands-on experience. Mm-hmm. So I managed to persuade my dad to fund me and um, I basically came to America for two months. And there was an intense film school in Los Angeles where you got to film behind the studio of Universal. Oh, yeah. So we got to use their sets. Wow. Um, and I managed to convince dad. I did a whole like Excel spreadsheet of the pros and the cons of me coming to America for two months. And I walk in day one and my teacher was my hus- is my husband. <laughs> um, he was uh, this extremely hot American guy with big dreams and big <laughs> aspirations. And so was I. And we were just crazy enough and naive enough to think that, why can't you have a long distance relationship? And like, we had no plans of being in a relationship. We both were like, this will be a great summer flip. Um, and before we knew it we fell head over heels with each other and um, everybody thought we were crazy and this has kind of been I guess a very common theme in our lives where we always really followed our gut and followed our instincts even despite all the people saying that we were crazy and what we were doing and what do you know about America and what do you know about living with an American and (laughs) you guys come from different worlds and different cultures and then what do you know about protein bars and so I've I've had that my whole life Um, and so Tom and so I think that that type of mindset we really bond over where we were always like well why can't we um now i definitely believe there's a massive um opportunity for the naive naivety of the beginner um when me and my husband met now i'm talking about you know this is 19 years ago now yeah so there wasn't like you know social media or video phones it was phone calls that were very expensive and email yeah um but each Back then, we were just like, well, if we want it bad enough, we'll make it work. Mm -hmm. And that's really been a very common theme in our lives. Like the same with Quest. I mean, no, we didn't know, um, you know, people were like, oh, you must have known everything about nutrition. It's like the truth was, no, we didn't. Mm -hmm. Um, We had business partners. One person specifically was very much into the nutrition world. One person was very much um, the guy that could figure anything out. So when our machines weren't working, he was the guy that would take the chainsaw to the machine and make it work mm-hmm. um so everybody had their like their specialities but at yeah. the same time it really is like when you look at yourself and say how badly do you want it and what are you willing to sacrifice that was really like no one can control that but you and i always knew that i'm going to do whatever it took in um in the realm of my code of ethics obviously i'm not willing to ever go um across my morals or break my morals mm-hmm. for success mm-hmm. um but, but I was willing to say no to friends because I didn't want to spend money um, to go out 
I was willing to um, not socialize. I was willing to give up date night with my husband while we were working, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, on Saturday at 3 a.m. in the morning on our business. Um, you know, I, that took a lot of sacrifice and mm. we had to buy in, into it together. And mm. that's really what we did. But sorry, I'm kind of back to your question of like me being born in England. Yes, I was born in England. Uh-huh. Um, but. Yeah, my path has really pretty much taken me where it is because I wasn't willing to listen to anybody. And that doesn't mean that I've made mistakes. I've made many mistakes, sure, but I just have. learned on the way. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, so. And you meet your husband. He's your teacher. There's no no one gets in trouble then. You're no conflict of interest or any of that, <laughs> that kind of thing. Well, so there was, um, it was two months. So the first month, I'm sorry, I was actually there for three months. The first month, he never made one move on me. So I thought, okay, well, that's never, you know, we're never going to happen. That's never going to happen. On the second month, we'd actually just finished our classes and we were in our final film stage. So technically he wasn't like, I didn't have any classes with him anymore. Mm -hmm. And look, at the the same time at 21 for me, and you know, he was only 24 at the time. Mm -hmm. It was pretty damn exciting. It was, you know, like it was, it was frowned upon. You're not supposed to be dating your teacher. You're not supposed to be dating (laughs) your student. And at the time, like neither of us took it seriously. So I obviously knew myself and knew that I would never be the sort of person that would ever try and use anything to, um, against him. So yeah, even yeah. if it didn't work out, even if he was a total, um, horrible human being to me on that first date, mm-hmm. like I would never go, I would never like tell his boss or anything. That's yeah. not my personality. Yeah. So, um, I didn't really worry about my, me getting in trouble. And he probably did on his end. Um, I think it may have worked out okay for him though. <laughs> yeah, no, it sounds like it now. And, and so what was it in your background? Anything in particular that made you want to go into film? Uh, you know, cause for someone from the UK to come all the way to LA, that's a little different than someone from, you know, Texas or Arizona in the, in the U S here. What what was it in your background that drew you to L.A. to come pursue film the, this way? Yeah, I think um, being in L.A. was almost incidental. It really was growing up. I loved film yeah. and I loved the creation of film and the arts behind it. And I never wanted to be in front of the camera. That was never a desire or a dream of mine. Um, I just really want to be behind and create and do things that could um, evoke an emotion. That was always really powerful to me. Like yeah. that I could put a certain type of music, I could light something in a certain way, and I could change somebody's mood on how they felt. So that was super interesting. Um, I look at that type of thing in my own life, and I look at what do I do when I'm feeling down. I put on you know fun music. I dance um, to myself, not like professionally um but all of these things like i'll watch movies like if i'm in a romantic movie i want you know if i want to connect with my husband upon something romantic and i get that that's for me not for him yeah. but i do uh-huh. um you know and so i just think that music and movies and things like that are just a beautiful way to enhance an emotion create an emotion um emphasize an emotion so i think growing up i really loved that and to be honest i just looked and i was like well where do i have to be to do it and so Los Angeles and America was it, it was just the place where it was. Yeah. And so because of that, I fell in love with the city. I fell in love with the place and the people um, and the culture. And I know a lot of people look at Los Angeles and be like, it's full of fake people. But I think that that's <laughs> the case with anywhere. It's like, who do you choose to surround yourself with? <laughs> right? Like if I chose to surround myself with the fake people, I'd know where to find them. And if I choose to surround myself with real people, I know where to find them. They're yeah. harder to find, but they are there. 
And so that ends up being that's that's a decision on me. That's not a decision on the state or the country or the city that I live in. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's really how I ended up in Los Angeles. Now I have absolutely given myself over to this city. So yeah. I am. Um, <laughs> Um, yeah, my blood flows Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I couldn't. Agree. I'm, I'm in Los Angeles myself, and I've lived here a couple times in my life. And uh, it's a certain type of person to to be in Los Angeles because it can be a tough place to be. I mean, everything costs a lot, and lots of traffic and all that kind of stuff. But uh, you know, we can but say. I have go London, ahead. though, those two things exist there as well. Yeah, traffic and expense is a nightmare in London. Yeah. Yeah, no, I can't, I can't. I haven't been yet. I'd like to get over there. Uh, you and your husband can take me. <laughs> I, but I think I might need someone to take me at this stage. <laughs> yeah, no, but, but such great people coming from. I mean, the people in the UK traditionally are very nice. I mean, did you find the people in LA or, or were kind of mean, or did you have to kind of adjust? Oh, no. or or were you kind of was it like that? And because you say London, because that's the big city, was it kind of a big yeah. adjustment? Again, I think it's like we blanket cities of like this city is like that, this city is like this. And to be honest, like I just um, – for me, I go with where the good people are. You know, I try to search for the good people that make me feel good, that I want to bring value to. Um, and, you know, growing up in London, I was – I was from a very traditional Greek neighborhood. And so the culture, like that is something I actually miss, like being around. I just want to like, I love hearing the Greek language. Mm. Um, and so you get a lot less of that here in Los Angeles where I live, but it's not like I couldn't seek it out. I could go to a Greek church. I could, sure. you know, join a Greek community if that was really important to me. Um, but um, I absolutely love here. um you know, the diversity. Yeah. Um, I love that, you know, I am completely the opposite to someone like my husband, you know, or my husband's completely the opposite to one of our teammates. Like, I love that diversity because in, for me, that is where I grow, where people are showing me things that I've never seen before or telling me things that I never thought before or explaining a life I never even realized existed before. Um, that for me is so impactful that I love to be around that. And in, you know, where I was living, I was just one of many people that lived exactly like me that had the same background than me that you know and I I, did, I felt like I was um in looking back now I feel like I was somewhat trapped in my perception and my perspective of life yeah well interesting and it, and it sounds like you've embraced the fact that diversity it, it is actually something that should empower us a lot of folks maybe see it differently that oh we better steer clear of this other type of person that's not me <laughs> uh or you know my background but it sounds like you embrace and even seek that out and, and see where, you know, you with other people can complement each other's strengths uh, and so on to, to bring the whole to a greater, bigger thing. So that's an interesting yep. thing you're saying. And you said it's impactful. It goes along with impact theory, sounds like. So <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And look, it's it's. I, I want to belong somewhere. So it's not that I'm seeking to be super uncomfortable and out of my norm and being like the odd one out and looking through, you know, the window, um, like the puppy in the window. Like it's not that I, I feel like I belong in places where everyone's just accepting of everyone. Mm. And so I find that that has been in places of diversity, um, 
growing up, like I said, my family, my father especially, had a very um, traditional mindset. And the thing is, I don't blame him. I don't judge him. Like when I was um, wanted to go to film school, actually, I had a massive fight with him because he didn't want me to study film. Mm. And eventually, he just turned around to me and he just, in his big three grip, big thick greek accent he just said to me well it doesn't really matter in a way you're going to be a housewife so you won't your degree doesn't make a difference <laughs> now wow. that sounds kind of mean but the truth is is if you understood where he came from mm-hmm. it is just his perspective on life he was brought up in a tiny village in the mountains of cyprus where my grandfather was a goat herder mm. so my dad had to be sent away to go to school at the age of 11. Like there was no school in his village. Wow. So wow. for him to get sent away at the age of 11, there were only a very limited amount of children from each village that got the opportunity to do that. Now thinking again, back to like, even thinking about contraception, contraception wasn't available back then. Mm-hmm. So all the women in the village basically got pregnant and had kids. So his perspective growing up was that guys went and got education and the women stayed at home with their kids. So that perspective growing up myself was put upon me and it was something that started to embed inside me. And again, like looking back now, I don't blame my dad for it. It's just like my perspective now has been an accumulation of things that I've been through in my life and the same with you and the same with everybody listening. The perspectives we hold right now are things that have been developed, things that were told when we were kids, you know, the messages our parents told us, the friends we hung out with, the neighborhood we grew up in. It all develops a perspective that we then have. So I don't judge people for having a different perspective as I do. I I just want to be welcomed for having that different perspective. And there are some places that absolutely will push you away if you don't have the same viewpoint and beliefs that they do. And there's other communities that embrace you. And so that's really where I come from. Like I want to be in a place where I can be embraced no matter what my belief system is. Wow. Wow. Great points. I mean, you're very eloquent in how you word it, and the British accent helps too. <laughs> it helps it sound even Thank more. You. I, yeah. Sometimes I joke to people, I'm like, I'm really from Texas. I just do a great British accent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, oh, that's a good point. Uh, the Texas accent's pretty good too, but there's something about that British accent. It, uh, <laughs> anytime we want to do something that's, that's supposed to be olden times or anything else, they always put on the British accent. <laughs> and it's always the queen's english it's always very posh yeah yeah i thought it was funny in the movie ever after where it's supposed to be uh she's supposed to be french but she drew barrymore has to have a british accent uh (laughs) just because it's olden times but anyway i digress same thing lord of the rings all that stuff Uh, now, I want to talk now, when you were growing up, you talk about this film background. I love your upbeat attitude, by the way. It's, it's contagious. Like I can feel it through the through Skype right now. It's you're you might burn through the Skype lines here. Uh, but there's there's something about when people come up, I like to kind of find out who some of your heroes now, whether that be in acting or film or uh, just humanitarian heroes or even fictional characters of some of the ideals that they bring to their their thing, their character. Do you have any specific heroes in any of these realms or others that uh, that you could fill us in on? <laughs> oh yeah. Um. So the first, very first person that came to mind was Princess Diana. Oh wow. Yeah. Uh, 
growing up obviously in England, she made such a difference to our country, um, what we stood for, um, how I saw the royal family. She really like culturally, she was a massive shift Mm -hmm. in our culture in England. And then just growing up, it was, um, I didn't have much, um, understanding of the queen i think from the outside i kind of just heard a lot of noise about the queen just sucks up you know taxpayers money so i adopted that belief system which i shouldn't have but i absolutely did and so when princess diana came along and my mom's name was diana and my middle name is diana and she seemed so down to earth it was like wow you can have a super powerful woman who can absolutely influence people with having such gracious um demeanor i mean she was just in every way she acted spoke she was gracious that is the best word i can use to describe her so as a kid i actually wrote to her and i asked for yeah i asked for a photo and her autograph because i loved her so much so i was like i really love you (laughs) and i got a letter from her lady in waiting which is basically her secretary or her assistant um and i had that letter i kept that very precious um letter just as a symbol of like her lady in waiting knew who i was um and then so like really that was very powerful for me growing up also um jodie foster was a huge influence in my film love and um desire because i saw her you know she was very famous as a young actress and then you see her career and her evolution from going from you know just natural fame of being in front of the camera to using that strength and power behind the camera to get projects greenlit um to get producing roles to get directing roles so as a um, young adult I realized the power that a woman can have mm-hmm. um, from one thing and using it across other platforms so like I said she was a very famous actress but she used that to do movies and get things greener that she really believed in um, that was very powerful to me and to see that a woman didn't have to show off her boobs or be uber yeah. sexual mm-hmm. in order to gain power in Hollywood that, yeah. that was really strong for me growing up um, I did my whole dissertation on Jodie Foster in wow. filmmaking. Um, so, yeah. So those are the two that really, really stand out. Um, and it's funny because I never really processed, I think, the exact reasons until just now. Yeah. Like having to put words to feelings. And this is why I actually love doing interviews and I love writing <laughs> because it really does get clarity to things that you may not have even considered because you just go by your gut, right? Oh, it feels right. I love Jodie. She's great. She's an amazing director. You know, I love Prince uh, Princess Diana. But having to put it into words yeah. really does codify things. Yeah. So. Well, I'll take credit for that one at least. Yeah. <laughs> we cleared your I'm mind in one area. <laughs> a little <laughs> Thank bit. You. No, I, I'm just kidding. But now that's interesting, and and it's and as I sit and hear hear you talk, and I've heard you some of your other things in the past, you speak with a level of confidence that I think maybe I'm not a woman, uh, but <laughs> I, I think some women might find a little foreign because what I understand and my association with women, women have a hard time sometimes with confidence. And maybe you don't always have confidence. Uh, but when you talk about sending a letter to Princess Diana with confidence, some people might have not even thought, oh, I could even get an autograph. Now, granted, you didn't, but you tried. Or that you could yeah. be the first uh, female to win the best director Oscar and stuff like that. I mean, these are big dreams. 
And and what do we have yeah. to say to women out there or, or any perspective on what I'm saying here? Yeah, I mean, so thank you for saying that. So a big thing for me is I was the, God, I don't even know what the words are. I was the least confident person I knew growing up. Oh. I got picked on. Um, I was very paranoid of my nose. I got concord, called concord when I was at school. Um, mm. I had a head brace. I had the mouthful of metal um, uh, braces with elastic bands. So my confidence was zero. I had the unibrow. My sister was <laughs> super popular in school, very um, pretty. My brother was super popular in school, very handsome. And there, and there I was. So I, I didn't have any confidence growing up. Yeah. But I always had. Um, I was always, what's the word, just obnoxious enough to not let it stop me. <laughs> obnoxious. Yeah, and I'm not even sure if obnoxious is the right word, but like I I would, I, I was just telling my husband the other day, I was dyslexic, I st um, still am, I guess, um, have certain issues with certain letters of the uh -huh. alphabet. And it's one of these things, that I've, it, it's just my bits in me and so I just kind of think of it as the way it is mm -hmm. but um I was still the person in school that would put my hand up every time a teacher said who wants to read out loud now here I am really low confidence I feel terribly about myself I put my hand up and put the spotlight on me only to get them made fun of and I would go home crying it wasn't like it didn't affect me emotionally like I was devastated but I'm not sure why I just kept putting my hand up I think in Hindsight now, it's really um, a reflection of what I believe about failure mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is that you're going to fail. You're going to fall on your floor. But man, if I can learn from it, that's where my confidence built. So I didn't oh, – I, I used to pride myself on like trying to be right or trying to look cool and being like the person that was always, you know, oh, I'm cool too. Um, and then I realized that isn't sustainable. That's never going to be able to be my life. I'm just not cool like that. So um, if I, what if I changed my perspective? And this really started, I think, as Quest started developing. So this became, you know, in my older years. So in my 20s, I was still extremely insecure. Like I said, I never wanted to be in the front of the camera. I would never do interviews like this ever. Mm -hmm. I never thought I was articulate. Um, and then I took myself, so I actually was a housewife for eight years. And mm -hmm. then when my husband came home one day and said, hey, would you mind helping with this protein bar company that me and my business partners want to start? I just thought, sure, I'll be a great supportive wife and I'll help him. Mm -hmm. And so it was that that actually started my entrepreneurial career. It wasn't I had confidence and like, yes, I can do it. Um, I was like, of course, I'll help my husband. And at the time, we decided to put our house on the line. So if... Our, if, if Quest didn't succeed, we would have lost our house. So when my yeah. husband came home to me and asked for help, I had that weighing on me. And so every time um, something new came up, so we were growing so quickly. We grew at 57,000% year after year wow. for three years. <laughs> okay. And so that growth, yeah, I mean, that growth took me from literally shipping bars from my living room floor and walking them to the post office. Within two years, I had a department of 40 employees. That's four zero yeah. employees underneath me. We were shipping out $80 million in revenue. Now, wow. think about that for a second. I'm a super insecure housewife. And when I say housewife, I didn't feel like I chose to be a housewife. I feel like I kind of slipped into that role. And so I want people to make, I want to make sure that people hear me when I say housewife. It's not a negative thing if that's what you want in life. If mm -hmm. that's what you choose to be and desire, then that's freaking amazing. Great I just point. didn't choose it. 
yeah. I kind of stumbled into it and then just stayed there for eight years. So I really want to emphasize that. And that's why it's important to me that I was able to evolve and become something that I was, I wanted to become. Um, so, but I, I wasn't secure and I didn't have any clue what I was doing. I didn't even know how to use a computer. So when I'm like having to learn how to print an order, I'm like, Oh God, I like, I froze up. You know, I was like, I don't know what to do, <laughs> but it got to the point where there was no other choice. Or in fact, there was a choice. The choice was, don't print orders, don't figure it out, Lisa, and then your company ceases to exist mm. and you lose your house. <laughs> so those were my choices. Find out, figure it out, um, learn, fall on your face, get back up, get better at it, fall on your face again. But it was still like every time I did that, I got one little like notch on my belt, if you will, that I got better, that I learned something new. And that's where I started to self-reinforce the fact that, huh, Falling on your face actually isn't a problem if you learn from it because now I'm more powerful for it. I'm that one bit better for it. And so I started to change my mindset on what I perceived as, like, oh, sorry, change my mindset on looking at myself and seeing what I saw. Yeah. Before I just used to think you don't know much, you get picked on, you're not good enough, you don't know what you're talking about. To then I changed the perspective of I may not know it yet, but I could if I wanted to. Yeah. And I may not know how to do that yet. Like I, when I, the second I'm on the phone to GNC, right, multi-billion dollar company, I'm on the <laughs> phone and I'm trying to figure out how on earth I'm doing freight with them. I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. yeah. But it's, well, I've got a choice, going back to the choices, right? I've got a choice, don't figure it out, lose your house, lose the company, or ask every question you possibly can, face looking stupid because that's very possible maybe people thought i was stupid they probably did face um the fact that i don't know anything but that i am about to learn and in one or two or three days no one's going to be able to take that away from me and so i just shifted my perspective of who i was i shifted my perspective of what i was capable of and that was how I built my confidence. And that is how I've gotten to be the person I am today. It's not that I'm not confident. It's that there are many times I'm like, oh, dear Lord, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> but it's like, that's okay. And giving myself the permission that it's okay. And giving myself the permission to go in and just tell people, guys, I haven't got a clue what I'm doing. But mm. you know what? You can bet your bottom dollar I'm going to learn. Yeah. And now I I can approach the learning with confidence. I can't approach knowing with confidence because I don't know anything yet. Yeah. And so once I shifted that, I started to believe it. So once I started to believe it, I started to embody it. Once I started to embody it, you hear it in the way that I speak, the nuances, the way I emphasize certain words because I truly believe that now. Yeah. But every day I had to remind myself of that. Wow. And that's a, that's an interesting yeah. process you're talking about to get to a place where you can embrace the process of success because some people get overwhelmed and uh, they don't even want to start. But you got to this mm -hmm. place where you took certain burdens off yourself and realized, I am going to fail. And when I fail, it's almost like you made everything, the pleasant and unpleasant parts, all positive regardless that, okay, we're going to take something positive from anything and everything, even when we fall on our face and make a mistake. Uh, and and then that kind of kept fueling you along because you, it sounds like for the most part you found where some positive could be derived <laughs> from every every yeah. circumstance. Go ahead. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's exactly it. Is that you really can? Um, you know, Tony Robbins says, "How do you take the worst day and make it the best?" It is all about 
perspective. Yeah. It is how are you looking at something? Are you looking at something saying, poor me? Like, let's just even take my digestion. So I've been dealing with health issues for about four years now. Um, the first year that my health really got bad, I was losing my hair. Um, I couldn't gain weight. My nails were falling out. I had foggy brain. I could barely get out of bed. Yeah. And yeah. I was still building Quest at the time. So my health was at its worst when I was at my busiest. Um, now, mm-hmm. I could look at that and say, why me? Oh, my God, my health. Um, you know, I could use every excuse and reason under the sun why I'm not going to work. Or, but that's a reason that I'm given. Or, going back to the Tony Robbins thing, I can say, how can this be the best thing that's ever happened to you, Lisa? While I'm still in bed and suffering, I'm asking myself that question. Mm-hmm. Because perspective is everything. Yeah. So if I'm sitting there going, oh my God, I can't believe that this happened to me. Why me? Well, how am I going to feel? I'm going to feel like the victim. I'm going to feel like I'm out of control, that I don't have control over my own life. I'm going to feel weak. And so I just look at myself and say, Do, is that how I want to feel? Yes or no? And the answer is no, I don't want to feel weak. I don't want to feel like I'm out of control of my um, my feelings, my emotions, and my day. So I'm like, okay, well, what um, perspective can I adopt that's going to be empowering? Yeah. So with my health, it is like, wow, okay, Lisa, this sucks. But what you're learning right now is things that you can help somebody else. That, you know, 16-year-old person or that 16-year-old girl that's out there right now that is making um, poor decisions on food for looks. Okay, maybe my experience now can help her. Yeah, yeah. All right, that's powerful. Yeah. If I can help one person not go through what I'm going through, that's freaking strong. Yeah. And so I lean, I lean into it. Yeah. And I deliberately lean into it. It's not like I want to lean into it. It's not like it feels normal. It doesn't feel right. But I just say, what would leaning into this look like? It would be talking out loud. It would be speaking um, up about it. It would be, you know, taking a photo um, and posting it on Instagram while I'm in bed. Like things like that don't feel good in the moment. But I focus on what I'm achieving and then that makes me feel good. So yeah, again, yeah. like it really does come come back to perspective and how do you want to see the world that you exist in yeah and that's powerful everything you're saying is very very powerful and i and i think of it in the in the context of what you're doing with this uh, women of impact because i look at women uh and kind of marvel at everything women have to go through just to be women and, you know, going a step further to be a wife and maybe a mother and all these things. It's like women deserve a gold medal every day. <laughs> just just for getting up and being women. And uh, and I don't mean that in any disingenuous or condescending or any kind of way. I mean it just totally sincerely. And, and yet, what is it about our society that's dragging women down so much as far as the body image and the confidence and then maybe women amongst women kind of with each other? I don't know. I can't comment about this whole you might use the word caddy thing that happens sometimes. All these things that go on. Uh, it sounds like you've got kind of your work cut out for you to kind of but you have such a great perspective. I feel like you you could be the chosen one to lift women so much from just from what I'm hearing you in this interview and the other things I've heard. But but what is it about our society? Go ahead. I'm sorry. 
No, please, I'll continue. I've loved everything you're saying. <laughs> well, I could go on and on and on. I mean, for me personally, <laughs> I mean, when I was a kid, I didn't have uh, my mom around for a whole, we won't get into all those reasons, but, uh, and so it was just boys. And so in certain way, I kind of learned some things, but also didn't get some of the perspective that I've kind of learned from adulthood, uh, you know, both in making mistakes and not that, that women are just powerful creatures and haven't always been given that uh, power by society. Um, and, and I love that we're in this place where so many, you know, groups that haven't been empowered before can be now, you know, between women and races and, and the different marriage ideals. I and mean, we can get political about anything here, but uh, we're in a powerful time between the internet and social media. So, so what is it about this whole thing that you're trying to do? Because I look at these uh, videos and, and podcasts, you have titles like happiness is a choice. You're beautiful. Own it. Let it go. Accept yourself. Uh, <laughs> all kinds of things about uh, just being happy. <laughs> Silence the negative voice. I mean, is this is being a woman yourself? How hard is this growing up and becoming an adult as a woman? Yeah, um, great question. So, Women of Impact, <laughs> the show, um, really grew from. It was kind of accidental. I mean, it really was. I had grew up in, you know, the, the background that I had and I met Tom, my husband, and we were dirt poor and, you know, I was a housewife for eight years and then we built a billion dollar company together and all these are chapters in my life, but yeah. none of it was like thinking ahead, right? Even now with what we're doing, um, as we're talking, right? It's, it is part of a goal. So I'm sure for you, you know, each interview you do is another notch on your belt to build <laughs> your brand and build your podcast and, you know, get bigger. But sometimes certain things come our way that we're not expecting. And if it feels right, then I always say, go with it. So for me, I had no intention. I'm going to go back to that. No intention of ever being in front of the camera. Um, I don't, I'd never intention of public speaking. I was always behind <laughs> the scenes. My yeah. husband's amazing at it. I, I love creating behind the scenes. So it was never even an urge that I had yeah. until we started impact theory. And I would just start to talk on like my Instagram or with friends or with, you know, influences that I would meet and people would ask me questions and I would answer just telling my life story. And in through kind of what I said earlier, and through telling my story, I started to realize all the things I had battled with and didn't even realize. Yeah. I started to like realize that my own worst enemy was me. It was mm. the negative thoughts that I had about myself. It wasn't even about other women. And until I realized that, like from the outside, I could have absolutely said, oh, women judge me and that's why. It's like, no, you freaking judge yourself, Lisa. And then you put other people's or your perspective of what other people are going to think of you. Yeah. You've created that as well. And so all these videos, the interviews that I do, the subjects that I now talk about are just things that I've discovered myself having done. And realize that, wow, if someone had pointed this out to me, you know, a year ago or 10 years ago or 15 years ago, what more things could I have done with my life instead of getting caught up in my confidence and my ego? Now, look, that's not to say that I don't still do battle with it. Of course I do. I absolutely, on days that I'm not feeling well, um, you know, I definitely sometimes play the victim in my head, like, oh my God, is this ever going to end? Yeah. You know, or yeah. um, sometimes when I'm in a business meeting and my husband is my business partner and people turn to him instead of to me. And I'm just like, I can't believe they turn to him. And it's like, no, it's still the world that we live in <laughs> where naturally people still turn to him over the woman. And instead of getting annoyed and pissed off about it, um, that's not going to solve anything. I just 
just go, okay, well, how can I change that story? How can I change that behavior? And how can I be part of the solution? And I just think that that's now something that we're starting to talk about in society with women. Like women are now, which I love, are starting to empower each other. And this is definitely something that I've developed into. When I was younger, at the age of 15, 16, I absolutely saw women as the enemy. Mm. And when I mean, I don't mean like that in a like dramatic way, yeah. but it's like if there was, you know, a, a boy at the time, you know, a, a boy that I fancied <laughs> or something, yeah. I would see the girl next to me as being competition because she was way prettier than me. Oh. And so if she was way prettier, the guy's going to go after her. So what does that say about me? Right. Then I start playing that negative loop in my head of that I'm not good enough. And is it so, easy to get lost in that whole thing? I'm sorry to interrupt, but like I, women and men, I think, kind of tend to think a little bit differently, at least uh, stereotypically we do. Uh, but is it easy to kind of get lost in some thought as far as because I, I, I do some research with mindfulness where they talk about don't let your thoughts carry you to these crazy places. You can have a thought and you can still be present and maybe yeah. control. But go ahead. Is it, is it easy to get kind of carried away like that? <laughs> when you start having these so, thoughts and, yeah i think as a young when i was younger absolutely because um you know look we all have chemicals that are pumping through our body telling us you know a message and so sometimes it's you know the victim message sometimes it's the insecurity message mm -hmm. and i've come to recognize it is chemicals in my body and so what I do that I have found personally very useful for myself is every time I'm in some form of like loop of negativity or self-doubt or anything, I just remind myself and it's very on a intellectual level. So I have to disconnect my heart from my mind. And I just say to myself, Lisa, you know, the chemicals in your body right now are telling you, you should be sad or you should be upset or you should be feel threatened by another pretty woman, let's say. Mm -hmm. And it's like, and you know, it is just the chemicals that are trying to trick you into <laughs> believing this. Yeah. And so what do I know about myself? And then I, you know, Back then, I would have certain affirmations or I would put post-it notes everywhere. I do alarms on my phone that I call my alarm roulette. So I kind of spin it and don't look to see when it's going to go off. And I just um, press save. And so every day I'll have a alarm go off in my phone with a message for me. Um, and I change up the message on different weeks. But it catches me off guard. And I love that. It's like... Um, we actually had to guest on one of our shows and they said it's kind of like you know when you're really mad and you're having an argument with someone and you feel so validated and you're mm -hmm. so pissed and you're just <laughs> furious and you know you just can't come down and then the phone rings uh. and you have to answer <laughs> well, how do you act how do you change <laughs> like so when yeah. people are like, oh, I can't calm down. It's going to take me days. It's like, no, that's actually BS. When the phone rings, if it's someone important or someone that you have to, let's say it's your boss or someone, you change it on a heartbeat, right? <laughs> now, why? How can that thought interrupt your emotions? It can. Yeah. Because your mind is telling you, shit, you can't behave like that when you pick up the phone. Uh -huh. You can't start swearing at the person on the other end of the phone. Yeah. So if you know you can do it, why aren't we able to do it when, let's say, we're just in a regular argument and we are, you know, face to face with our spouse or something? Yeah. It's because when we haven't programmed ourselves yet. Yeah, that's and interesting. So you know, yeah. So I just like, you're not programmed yet. And I mean that in the best way possible because, like, I absolutely 
listen to what I'm feeling. So it's not that I just shove it under the rug because that I've done tried to do that before as well and that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, I just acknowledge it and I'm like, all right, you're feeling really frustrated now or you're feeling really insecure. Like you're needing, like let's say, uh, I keep asking my husband questions about my outfit. And, you know, let's say he then snaps at me and he's like, just choose whatever and I get upset. I'm like, okay, well, well why are you upset? Because right now he wasn't like rude to you. He wasn't, you know, obnoxious. He didn't call you names. You didn't get into a fight. So why am I upset? I'm upset because he wasn't giving me an answer. Okay, well, why does that bother me? Okay, it bothers me because I just want to know what he thinks makes me look good. Well, why do I care about what makes me look good? Um, maybe because I want to be uplifted. Well, why do I want to be uplifted? Huh, I'm actually feeling down on myself. Well, why am I feeling down on myself? And so I've unraveled this whole thing of let's say I'm having an argument with my husband because I felt like he was mean to me. And what I've realized is that I'm just really insecure right now mm. it's good to be in tune with those things and i'm glad you're finding a place to process the, these things uh, and then of course expound that to the to the rest of the world as well and my gosh and by the way i've been taking notes while we're talking i could go on and talk to you pro- probably for hours and maybe we'll do a sequel okay. too but i want to talk to you a little bit about because you mentioned your husband several times and i've seen you post several things about your relationship and uh, I saw something the other day where you said when you're new in a relationship and maybe you really like this person uh, and then having the conversation to say, you know what, we, I like being with you and it seems like you do too. Uh, but in order for us to get to this next place, there's some things that from my end, at least, that we need to see happen uh, that I feel. Yeah. And uh, these these conversations can be a hard thing to do, just like this inner conversation about looking at the external things and finally, like you said, looking at yourself and realizing that you're your own worst enemy and and so on. But how how does this play out? Because you've been married, sounds like, for a while now. Uh, in a marriage setting, how do we do this in a healthy manner? <laughs> um, I'm going to give you a cheesy answer, but it is, it is the truth of the truth. Uh-huh. It is utter a hundred percent honesty with your communication. So there's kind of three things that I threw in there: honesty, a hundred percent, and communicate. Um, I don't even lie to my husband if he he says to me, like, for instance, um, I'm trying to think of something like, "Hey, how does this outfit look? If it looks terrible. I'm going to say, babe, that looks absolutely hideous." Um, <laughs> if I know feeling let's say vulnerable or there's something going on and I know oh if I tell him this right now he it's gonna upset him I still tell him um we don't couch things with each other now look you have to do it in the most sweetest empathetic way you possibly can you're not just gonna be like oh you look terrible today you know like you you have to word things in a nice way mm-hmm. but we are always very honest with each other like especially because we're business partners so uh we'll have to tell each other when we're not doing a good enough job like i don't think you're pulling your weight here on you know um those things are very hard to say to each other and it all comes down to the very first discussion you have with your partner about what your life is going to look like and do you both agree with it Mm. and have that conversation every year so for tom and i it was, um, okay, well, how we want to make movies. Okay, how do we want to make movies? Okay, we're going to have to finance it ourselves because we both worked on films and, and hated the industry. So we said, all right, if we still want to make movies, how is the, like, how are we going to do it? Okay, we have to finance. All right, do we both agree that we're going to both finance the movie? Yes. 
all right, now we both agree, how are we going to do it? All right, so the discussion was he was going to go out, he was going to make money and be an entrepreneur. Okay, so where does that leave me? All right, so we had the discussion, the no BS discussion of if he's going out to be the best entrepreneur he possibly can be, what are the things we need to pay attention to? So we looked at Steve Jobs, we looked at all the really high level players and said, how did they achieve what they achieved? Mm. Now this is back when we were living in a 700 square foot apartment, um, <laughs> you know, we barely had a penny to scrape to our name. So we're looking around and we're like, how do, how do they do it? And so we looked at Steve Jobs and we said, okay, he never, um, he always wears the same color t-shirt. And if you hear his story, the reason is, is that he, we as humans have a certain amount of decisions that we can make with clarity in a day. So if we have, let's say, I can't remember the number, but let's say we have 20 decisions that we can make with utter clarity. And then after that, they start to degrade. So if you have to make a decision on what you're going to eat for today, that's one decision. If mm -hmm. you have to decide mm -hmm. on what you're going to wear today, that's another decision. So by the time you get to work, you've probably got, you know, 10 decisions left. So we said, all right, well, if we really want to play at this entrepreneurship game, that means you can only make decisions that are going to benefit the family and going to bring in money. So as a team, we decided I was going to stay at home and do everything else. I was going to pay bills. I was going to put clothes out for him. He would literally wake up. His gym clothes were waiting for him. He would get back from the gym. His work clothes were waiting for him, along with his breakfast and lunch. Right. So that's how deep we went. Now, I didn't ever get resentful with my husband for being a housewife. Why not? Because he didn't force me to. We both went in it together. And we both went in it with the agreement that that was how we were going to live our lives. Right. So whatever your situation is with your partner, have you both bought into the decision that you've made of your life? So if it's we're going to have kids, are you both bought into having children? If the answer is yes, okay, the next step is have you bought into what your life looks like? Because the argument I hear from a lot of couples is um, from the woman, you know, it's maybe my husband doesn't, you know, put enough time in for me, he comes home and he spends it with the children. Or it's from the guy, my wife does, you know, is always with the kids and she doesn't make an effort for me. Mm. Well, have you guys even discussed that? And that's a discussion yeah. me and my husband had when we were talking about having kids. We said, all right, what does Monday look like? Like, yeah. just like a, a regular Monday. What does it actually look like? And when we had that discussion, when I started getting into business, it was like, okay, well, if I want to work, I'd have to have a nanny. Do we both agree that a nanny is a good option or a bad option? On a, you know, on a Monday night, all right, my husband is, he works, no joke, from the moment he wakes up to the moment he goes to bed, Monday to Friday. So we don't eat together. We pass each other br while we're brushing our teeth in the morning. Like, that's <laughs> how we've committed to our lives being wow. and again we're brought into it we're like all right are we willing to sacrifice um social time in order to build this business yes okay again what does that mean and so we we went through a pattern of what does that what does monday look like in our life what does a saturday look like so he was very honest and said the one thing you can never ask me to do is give up my ambition hmm. And it's not that he's not willing to do it because he's like, I'd be willing to give up anything for you. But here's the, the truth. If he gave up the one thing that was utterly important to him, who would he end up being as a human being? Mm. He would lose himself. Okay, well, hang on a minute. Aren't I married to him because I love who he is? Yeah. So now I'm yeah. asking him to give up something that for him is a defining part of his characteristic. So who is he going to be as a husband if I ask him to give that up? 
So I can't ever ask him to give that up for me or my children because that's not fair. I wouldn't want him to ask to give for me to give something up that was fundamental as, you know, a person. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay, well, if you can't give up, if he's not going to give up his ambition and his lifestyle, so think about what that looks like if we had children. Mm-hmm. He comes home. Every night, maybe he's got 30 minutes left and he spends it with them. So where does that leave me as a wife? I was his number one. And we've said, like, he's my number one and I'm his number one. But once you have kids, he becomes my number two. He becomes my number three. And now you need to have that discussion. Do I want to be my husband's number two or number three? And that's hard. And that's why I said you have to be 100% honest and you have to communicate. Yeah. And I turned to him and I was like, I don't, I don't want to be your number two. I don't want to be your number three. I don't want to have to compete with you coming home from work and then spending time with the the children. Because the truth is, I would want him to spend time with the kids. When I look at what the selfish thing is I would want from a father of my children, is that I want him to spend it with my children. Yeah, yeah. But there's another part of me that wants me to be his number one. So how do they both coexist? I personally don't see a world where those two can both coexist. So I was honest and he was honest back and he said, I don't think I want children because I'm not willing to sacrifice this and that. And I said the same. And so that's actually Mm. how we came to the conclusion of us not having children because he said, if you want kids, I will absolutely be there. I will be there for the kid, but you will become my number two and you're going to have to deal with the children. And it's not like he's being horrible. He's just being honest. And he's like, you're going to have to be the disciplinarian of the children Monday to Friday. Is that what you want? And I had to take a hard look and say, no, that isn't what I want. But until you have those conversations, until you create an environment with your partner where you can sit down with them and be 100% honest with them with no judgment, because that's important. I if I was worrying what my husband would think of me as a woman, if I said I didn't want kids, I'd never be able to say it out loud. And then where would I be? Maybe I'd have kids (laughs) is the truth. Wow. And there's so much courage that goes into that approach to life. I mean, and I'm taking notes still. I literally am taking, I've got a pen, the old school way. I'm taking notes as we, because you're, it's like you're teaching me too. And also stuff that we're talking about. And, and I know we're short on time and my goodness. And I don't, I'm not lying. I could go another three, four hours and people would probably get bored of me, but, but just be <laughs> ecstatic that you stayed on this long. But I know you got places to go and things to do, but I, as we hear this, I mean, I'm hearing you talk about mutual respect. I hear you talk about clarifying expectations, communicating, and that's its own communication we could talk for hours about, just how different people communicate and how we... I saw something even just today on social media that said that the only validation you need is parking. And said that some people, including me, sometimes feel like we need validation and certain things of communication. But it sounds like it would be important... To, if you could, depending on your relationship with somebody or even just friends sometimes to have kind of a set maybe once a week on a Sunday or something, take 15 minutes or two hours if you need to, to talk about these are expectations. This is what we're planning for the week. This is what I need in our relationship. This is where we're evolving together. Uh, and, and maybe those just happen in passing as you go throughout the weeks of life as well. Uh, but it sounds to me like maybe that could be a beneficial thing to do just based on what you're saying, just so that everybody's got everything out in the open on the same page and addressing and compromising, you know, as you go. What are your thoughts? And that's, yeah, I mean, a hundred percent. And the biggest, biggest key is that no one's right and no one's wrong. And that 
is wow. I mean, if if people can hold on to one message, one thing from this interview is that your partner's opinion and perspective of life isn't right or wrong. It's just different to yours. So even when I sit with my husband, even now when we go over things, we disagree a lot. You know, it's not like we're the same person. I mean, like I said, we run a business together as well and we disagree all the time, but neither of us is making the other person feel um, inferior or that they're wrong, or that they're, you know, stupid for thinking like that, or their, you know, their emotions, because that's another thing, is that when you start making people feel like their emotions are wrong, like, you shouldn't feel like that. It's like, well, no, the fact is, they do feel like that. So, should or shouldn't, the fact is, they do. Now the question is, why do they feel like that? And how do you, together as a team, unravel that? And that's really what me and my husband do. Like, there are times that I think he, like... His opinion is so the opposite to mine. And I'll be like, you know, oh, my God, you're crazy. But ultimately, he knows I'm not actually saying he's crazy. I'm just like, wow, that is so the opposite to what I think. Please explain it to me. And here's the thing. I, I may never agree with him. And that's okay, too. Yeah. And that's like we'll say like, look, I actually don't agree with you, but I 100 percent respect where you're coming from. (laughs) And that's a key. If you can leave any disagreement with saying, you know what, I still don't agree with you, but I absolutely respect where you come from. And if you need me to do X, Y and Z to show you the respect, then I'm willing to, even if I don't agree with it. Like that, that will be things that we'll do as well, because, yeah, it comes. I'm just going to repeat myself now, but it does come down to stop judging each other. Yeah. Stop. You know, I used to do it all the time. I absolutely did. So I'm coming from a place of a person that used to do it and was able to reverse that and come out of that. The same with my husband. Like we have been able to unravel it. And you actually said something earlier, which is like, you know, hopefully that these discussions come about. I just learned that they don't, at least for me and my husband, they don't naturally come about. We wow. have to create the space to address an issue. Um, and that's just me and him, but, um, we, we have, we actively need to be deliberate in making sure that we have the conversations that we, um, that are, you know, certain things that are weighing on our minds. Um, because I also think that eventually whatever's weighing on you will come out and the chances are it's going to come out in an argument and Mm. that's when you're catching the other person off guard. So if you can avoid doing that and you can say like, Hey, look, something's really on my mind. I'd love to talk to you about it. You know, use them as a teammate instead of as an opponent, Mm -hmm. right? It's like, I think of a sport. It's like they're on your same team. It's not tennis. They're not standing across the other side (laughs) of the net and they're not your opposition. Yeah. They're your teammate. You're passing the ball to them so that you can score and win as a as a collective. And that's how I see my husband. Every problem that I have, even if my problem is with him, I see, all right, he's my teammate. And together <laughs> we're going to get through this. And that's how I approach it. And I think that <laughs> approaching things in that way allows the other person to let their guard down, you know, instead of being defensive. Because when someone that you really love comes at you and they say and says that you've upset them, mm-hmm. the first thing you do is put your defenses up because you don't want to feel the pain of having to face that you've upset them. But yeah. if someone comes to you like, hey, I've actually got something I'd love to talk to you about. This really will mean a lot to me. I think that together we can really overcome this. All right, well, now you're setting me up to feel like I'm a part of the solution and we're doing it together. So Yeah, yeah. 
Well, the, everything you're saying oh, yeah. is so powerful, and I just I want that to sink in for all of us. And as a you talk about expectations, so expecting that we're going to have differences of opinion. You say no one's right, no one's wrong. And I remember right. Dr. Phil one time said, you know, I I honestly haven't watched Dr. Phil a ton. Love you, Dr. Phil, but I've only watched him a few times. And one of the things I got from one of his episodes was. Do you want to be right or do you want to be married? And uh, and yeah. whether people are married or not or just in relationship with people, you talk about valuing the differences. These are common threads I hear about from successful people. You don't try to butt heads with the differences. We find ways to value and and bring ourselves all to a higher level. And so both from an intimate relationship to business to friendships, it sounds like there's some powerful principles there. And again, we're going to have to do a sequel one of these days. But uh, so Women of Impact, uh, kind of a powerful branch of the impact theory uh, movement is uh, also available through uh, at Women of Impact and at Lisa Bilyeu, both on Instagram. You've got the Women of Impact YouTube channel and podcast. And uh, Lisa, I can't say enough good things. I'm impressed as heck with you and your husband. And uh, and I'm honored, by the way, very honored to have been able to have you on our podcast here at Empower Humans. Is there anything else you want to add before we wrap up here, Lisa? Not at all, Phil. I just want to say thank you so much for um, for having me on and building this platform where you're looking to empower humans. I absolutely love that. So, yeah, thank you okay. and to all your listeners. Great. Hopefully we can collaborate in some capacity, maybe down the road too. But until next time for our audience and with utmost gratitude to Lisa and her husband and her whole team over there, uh, for all of you, our audience, empower yourself, empower the world around you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Empower Humans. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review this podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit empowerhumans.com. We'll catch you next time.